Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Hunt Lifting Podcast brought to you by Hunt Lifting Official. I'm Carter, and I'm back once again with Luke post-trade show extravaganza. What's going on, man? This is take three, so <laughs> we've, got, we've got some uh, some practice on uh, rolling rolling through this one. No, it's it's good, man. I'm got a short little stint here back in Colorado. Finally signed out on terminal leave from the Army after a odyssey of getting them to finally let me go. So I'm back in Colorado for a day, and then we're heading to Wyoming tomorrow, and then more shows, more shows, and then we get into 3D season. So it'll be nothing but the road and airports and everything else for the rest, really till hunting season starts, and then all the travel pick right back up. So it's fun, though. I mean, it's cool. I'm very lucky to be able to be doing this and, and chasing this stuff as I transition out of the Army. But, yeah, I'm just stoked to jump on and, and chat with our guests who I met at, uh, at SHOT Show. Yeah, we got uh, Eric Clark joining us from OKS Podcast and the OKS Podcast Network. So, Eric, welcome to the podcast, man. Thanks, fellas. Happy to be here. Time three. Hopefully this is a charm and it works well for us. So <laughs> let's give this thing a freaking go. Third try, third podcast of the night, man. All signs point to it. Yeah, I got three kids, too. So maybe three is a magic number. I don't know. <laughs> Going for four would be pretty hard. So let's just stay right here. <laughs> Very cool. We've talked about having another one. I have two. I my son is like having three in himself, so we'll see. <laughs> three almost broke me as a human, so good luck if you do. <laughs> I can hear my little one screaming as we're recording this, though. Yeah, I'm waiting for my son to start banging on the office door. That's his favorite thing when I'm in here recording. Inevitably. So doing all this for raising a family, huh? Cheers to that. Holy cow. What are we doing? Yeah, that's really why I was excited when we met at a, a shot, because like, you know the paths of what we're doing and building are very similar so a lot of the woes are too and we we're sitting there just chatting at the show it was like oh yeah i know about this i know about the you know like the the parallels there are definitely uh you know there and i i've been i've seen you guys a long time ago i've been following your content on instagram on the okayest hunter and i really liked it because it was just such a zig to everybody else's zag right you know you guys's message of just hunt your hunt it doesn't matter, you know, what, what the animal looks like. It doesn't matter how big it is. It's just about going out there and, and, and chasing the critters that we like to and chase the passion and not get wrapped up in inches and antler size and all this other nonsense that social media tends to really push. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. Do we believe in doing things different, not better? I don't think we're going to create a better deer camp vibe than, you know, the working class guys. We're not going to do a better podcast than Joe Rogan or whatever, but we can be different and looking around the space still to this day i mean i, I welcome it else to try it. it'd be good competition i suppose because we could use more positivity but we're the only six inch antler in the entire hunting category you know <laughs> as far as logo is concerned and it's not to promote shooting just spikes it's to promote there's more to the hunt than the inches and the antlers like it's just a signifying denotation that like you know hunt for your own reason hunt for memories if you're gonna shoot a spike shoot a spike be proud of it don't disrespect the animal and say it wasn't the biggest one but you shot him anyways didn't you like why aren't you fucking pride um, people are nervous or, you know, not comfortable posting that shit to social media because they don't want to get ridiculed for it. And oftentimes they don't post it to social media, not to say that they have to, but you shouldn't feel as though you don't want to or have to because you're going to get ridiculed. That's the ridiculous part. Yeah, I love yeah. that, man. I, I smoked a nice mule deer forky this year and put it up you're on my Instagram. Big forky guys here. Yeah, man. big forky guys, man. <laughs> I try to hold out a little bit, but uh, once once the hunt starts winding down, spikes and forkies, if they're legal, they're on the table for sure. I don't, an unfilled tag is, uh, 
that's what I don't want. I don't, you know, I'd much rather punch a tag than not. Um, it's a little different on my, you know, piece of property to hunt back home, but try to do a little bit of management. But I, I think it really just comes down to exactly what you're talking about. Just hunt your hunt. And then like this shaming that goes on, it drives me nuts. And that's really, you know, we try to tell the whole story of whatever we're doing. You know, like sometimes we kill spikes and forky. Sometimes we might get lucky and, and kill something bigger. But this like tailoring the content because of social pressure from social media, I think is it's pretty ridiculous. And a lot of people are tired of it. And the hunting what? media as a whole has gotten so wrapped up in inches and the misrepresentation of what's going actually going on. Right. Like a lot of these big animals that are killed are killed on exclusive private land or high fence or whatever, which I don't personally have a problem with. Hell, I would love to hunt one of these major ranches that cost $25,000 at one point in my life if I could ever afford that. But that whole story isn't being told. And then it gives unrealistic expectations to some young hunters that are trying to come up and get into the space. You know, I've hunted with new hunters that are like, oh, I'm holding out for like a 300 inch bull. And I'm like, dude, you should shoot the first cow you see. Like, <laughs> you're crazy, you know, like, you know, and so it just, it, it, really shifts the mindset i think uh, across the industry yeah i mean i think it's been going on pre-social media and you consider the tv shows that you mentioned and we got yeah. a shirt that says shoot deer and uh yeah it's a cool shirt so shoot deer like i think anyone can get on board with that but the real message is like i think we talked to some kids at the iowa deer classic last year that like no man i'm holding out for 150 i haven't shot anything i've been hunting for six years and i'm just waiting for that 150 or better because i'm not going to shoot or actually it was a 180 he's like i'm not gonna shoot a 150 that small i'm waiting for a 180 I mean, they're in Iowa, so it's a little bit different world down there, I suppose. I'm in Wisconsin, but I'm like, dude, what do you think is going to happen when that 180 shows up? You're going to shit your literal pants down both <laughs> legs, and you're going to you're gonna mess that up. Like, you don't just go to the gym speaking to the Hunt, Lift, Eat guys and expect if you're, you know, 150 pounds soaking wet that you're going to bench 225. Like, you got to put some reps in. you got to get some experience. you got to show up. Like, go shoot some does, practice conservation. Like, see what it's like on an old doe at full draw and see how hard that bitch is to kill. And I hope I can swear on this thing because I am a bourbon deep already. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, dude, definitely. <laughs> you need to you need to get comfortable and confident with your capabilities and see where your limitations are and how that all goes. Because if that first if the first you're ever going to shoot is going to be a 180, hopefully you're in Iowa because you'll see them. But if you're in Wisconsin, like good luck, especially on public land. Like that's few and far between. Um, so make some memories, you know, make some memories. Learn how to gut a deer. Learn what it's like to drag a deer. Learn what it's like to cook some freaking venison. Like, get some experience and memories under your belt, and then go pursue that other thing. Like, build up to it. But if you're that ambitious and goal-oriented, and that's what you're holding up for, like, kudos to you, I guess. I'm not that kind of guy. I, I mean, like, I just want to shoot some stuff and feed my kids. Not that that's all we eat, but my kids harp on me because they actually enjoy venison. So they're like, where's the meat? Where's the meat? Where's the meat? I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm an okay as hunter, guys. I don't think you understand who your dad is. <laughs> like, <laughs> working on it. <laughs> I'm trying. Quit busting my balls, all right? <laughs> yeah, man. I, I tell a lot of, you know, because we one of the cool things with our community that I didn't really anticipate was the varying levels of folks that were interested in joining our, our program. And so we've got folks that have never hunted before. And it's like my best advice is, like, just kill. <laughs> like, exactly what you're talking about. Like, you need repetitions. And, like, Maybe you don't want to start off with a bow. Like, why are you purposely handicapping yourself if you've never shot anything? And I get it. Guys are purists and they want to do all this stuff. But, like, it's a different world when you're not Joe Rogan. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, he started out learning from Cam, who has access to a lot of cool properties, and they do some cool, awesome stuff. But that's not the rest of us, you know. Like, go kill 20 does in three seasons. And then, you know, okay, now I know what I'm doing. Now I'm ready to go try to chase something bigger. And I've got a rule. It's like, I'm never going to 
past something that's like if I've never killed a species, like I need to kill that species, whatever it is, if it's legal, before I can like start becoming more and more selective. Like, why am I gonna like pass on? Yeah, I've actually... I'll cut it yet. If I do that, I'll take a cow all day long. I'm gonna bring Same. home that meat, and then and then yeah, of course I want a freaking you know huge bull. Like who doesn't? But you gotta as a dad running a company and working in a career like man, I got to take what I can get sometimes. Like, that's not the reality I live in right now. And so, like, map your ambitions to reality, or, you know, or map your actions to your ambition, but then map that back to reality. Like, it's unreasonable for me to expect of myself that I'm going to kill 150-inch deer in public land when I, like, you know, hunt, like, four days out of the whole season. So then I have to go, well, this is what it is. For this season of life, I'm probably going to shoot some more spikes. And it feels a little weird. I'm 37 years old. I'm going to be 38 in a couple weeks or whatever it is. Like, I shot a, a basket rack eight and i could have shot 150 if i didn't totally botch it but i didn't because i suck and so i was like <laughs> well i'm taking the eight that's tiny because my daughter's hounding me for meat <laughs> like and it is what it is and and i had to wear and i had to be proud of that because it it still was a memory that i got to make you know i was with my crew for gun deer camp in wisconsin basically a holiday in the state and it's like i'm here for the camaraderie more than anything for gun deer bow's a solo mission gun's different like i'm taking it you know yeah and be proud of it I yeah, we just had an awesome kind of doe camp <clears throat> for some guys on the team and guys flew in from all over the country to luke's family farm and i think we had i don't know 18 guys there luke 20 something yeah something like that i think it was 18 all over guys who had never hunted whitetail on the or, or been east of the mississippi let alone came in for doe camp but it's kind of the perfect opportunity like you were talking about to get some reps in and experience something new. And, uh, you know, there was zero pressure like, Oh, I'm holding out for a, well, a one thirty would be one thirty, one forty, be a st stud buck over here in the, on the East coast, man. But, um, there was none of that. And you still have the, all the same camaraderie of camp and all the, you know, favorite parts and aspects of hunting that we all know and love and, uh, able to put some, put some does on the ground for sure. Yeah, I posed a question on social media a long time ago. It's hypothetical. It's not a world that will ever exist. But I was like, if if deer just didn't have antlers, like, would we still have the same, you know, dick measuring contests in the deer hunting world that we have these days? Like, would people still hunt? I think we'd lose a lot of hunters because a lot of them are doing it for the wrong reasons. They're doing it for vanity mm -hmm. and social. And I think you'd have a lot of guys that would just be hunting just the same as always. They'd still go because they're not hunting for those other reasons. They're hunting because they enjoy it. The pastime, it's intrinsic. They want the meat and so forth. Yeah, I definitely want to kill a big white tail and a big everything, but I don't yeah. think I would ever stop hunting. You know, if we measured them by their ears or we didn't measure them at all, you know, that was, I've only measured one, I've only killed one animal probably worth measuring, <laughs> but I, I did measure the antelope just because I had no idea how to do it. I wanted to learn, but like, it was cool, but it literally changed nothing when I got the inches. Like I, sweet. You're like, good to know. Yeah. I yeah. measured behind me. I actually, yeah. two of my buddies did because I suck at math really bad. And I was like, guys, I don't know what I'm doing. Can you help me? And so we back and napkin did. And I was like, cool. Now I can say I killed one of those. But otherwise, like, it didn't change anything for me. The experience was still amazing. Yeah, exactly. It just didn't. If it had yeah. been 10 inches shorter, I would not have changed the experience of doing it with my cousin who we'd been hunting antelope unsuccessfully for a couple of years, being able to like punch, punched his tag in the morning, mine in the afternoon. It was an awesome stalk. We had to take all of our lessons learned from the previous years. Like that's, what's cool. And then yeah. like the driving back into camp with it on the, you know, the hitch and like blasting music, drinking beers afterwards with the boys. Like that is what it's about for me. Not anything that has to do with how 
big or how cool or you know and it's not like i said it's not to say that i don't want to kill big animals because everybody does at the end of the day but at the end like it should to me it should be about more than that because it's if not, like, it's, yeah you don't you don't want to do it a disservice by like yeah. you know well i didn't get the the big one so the whole thing's shit like well that's not true yeah. you know hunting is the reward the trophy is the freaking that that can come or go like you might have a good year or bad you might have a couple bad years you might have a couple good years like who knows you'll be humbled real quick that's what the deer woods does to any of us it'll humble it ought to be humbling and if it's not i don't know, maybe something wrong with you but like it's pretty damn humbling because i got like... humbled twice this year so yeah, yeah I, I get that 100 that's why i killed a forky mule deer on my first mule deer hunt this year is because i got humbled twice so no i yeah i that's what i've really dug about following you guys for probably a couple of years now is just like you know, having the spike antler, having the this different mentality that does not is not you know represented across the board, and I think it's a it's a cool niche, and I think it resonates with a lot of people, which you know I think is explained by y'all's popularity and how quickly you're growing and all the stuff you've got going on. So like, I I appreciate it. You know, I, we try to we're not as you know direct about it, I guess, but we try to be very similar in how we tell our, do our storytelling for what we're doing, whether it's on the podcast or the content we create. Like I don't even show much, many kill shots. Like it's really about the story of what's going on at camp after we, you know, have the animal on the ground. And if we have a cool kill shot, sure, I'll throw it up there, but really it's just about the overall experience behind everything. And then half of it's because we don't kill shit anyway. So then it's just all B-roll regardless. Well, yeah. <laughs> well you can't get shit on social media anyway. So it's kind of relevant these days. Like, good luck trying to kill shot it without Instagram, like, totally ruining your business by taking the whole thing off the internet, you know? like Yeah. So, I, yeah. That's a struggle in and of itself, trying to play the algorithm game. I've shifted mostly to humor, which I think is a tactic you guys use too. Uh, it's, it's worked pretty well because funny stuff doesn't usually get taken down. And if you want to hack the algorithm it needs to be funny or sexy and my wife will kill me if i start doing sexy stuff so yeah. uh, putting, putting chicks on the podcast or on the on the instagram so it's gonna be uh we'll go with humor every time yep so what uh let's let's backtrack a little bit man what <clears throat> kind of talk to us about the the origins of of okay as hunter you know on the business side and, and what what was the inception of that how did it come about uh, what motivated you to kind of make this run um I was trying to, you know, edge my way into the hunting industry, if you will, for a little bit. I, I had uh, started an app or created an app that was called Where to Hunt. It helped hunters identify occupied and unoccupied hunting access or land based on other active users. Um, hit an inflection point, and then I got funding from the state and so forth. That's a whole different thing. That's uh, in a different conversation. But that led to a podcast of the same name. And we were like everyone else. We were like doing all the big buck killing tactics, buck hunting, buck betting, buck blah, blah, blah. We brought in all the, the big killers on the show and, and, and really tried to like educate. And, and it, a lot of it was selfish. Like I was trying to like learn it myself so I could figure it out because I was really uh, obsessed with this. And um, in doing so, when I launched the podcast, I was actually even pretty nervous to say my name. Like I didn't, I didn't want people to know who I was, but I just... I didn't want to be misconstrued as some sort of thought leader, expert, big buck killer. I didn't have any deer in my wall. I had zero deer in my wall at that point in time. Um, and so I got on the, I guess, on the offense. I got ahead of it and started saying things like, I'm only okay at this, or we're only okay. We're the okayest ones. Um, that narrative started to kind of take its own shape. Like, people were drawn to that. Uh, they're like, hey, I'm that way too, or I'm not some expert either, but I appreciate you taking, like, a docile approach and bringing other people that can speak to it 
rather than positioning yourself as some expert. A lot of people are just kind of voicing their expertise, but they didn't have anything to back it up. And I was like, well, I don't have anything to back it up. I'm not an expert. I just want to learn some stuff. Um, so one of the listeners of the podcast happened to be from my town or community, and I ended up getting coffee with him. And uh, previous to that, I had recently shot a, a doe fawn or a fawn doe or whatever um, the year my daughter was born in 2017. And shortly thereafter, I had posted it like because I was like my first bow kill. I was pretty jacked about it. But I was 30, 31 years old at this point. Like I had only bow hunted in my like I gun hunted early on as a young hunter. And then I didn't get into bow hunting until my mid 20s or late 20s. I certainly didn't have any success until when I got that doe fawn in my when I was like 30 years old. Um, and so <laughs> I posted it and people were like, my dog's bigger than that. Why the F would you shoot that thing? Like, what were you thinking? You're a grown man. Da, 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 da. I'm like, well, hold on a second. That was my first deer, guys. Like, you don't know shit. You know, I was with my dad on that hunt on a, a property that we've been hunting for a while. And um, I feel like a 12-year-old boy being with my dad. I felt like I was a kid. And I was like, dad, I did it. You know, like, but I'm 30 and it felt weird. I was like, why am I feeling like a kid because that's what hunting does to us it's very yeah. sentimental um and so i was like annoyed and like kind of bothered that i was being shamed for sharing something i was proud of and i get it it was a dope like most people wouldn't give a shit about that but i did because it's my first one so i started to notice that was happening more like it wasn't just me so once it ha it's kind of like that reticulator in your brain like when your friend buys a red truck you see red trucks everywhere like or when you own something you start to see it everywhere like i started to then see that everywhere and it started seeing with children i was like this is insane like what is wrong with us this? this is a problem and i don't like being bullied i was bullied as a kid so i have like a you know soft spot for like people getting ganged up on i just don't like it so i um perseverated on names and nothing was good. Eventually I landed on okay Hunter. I bought the domain name and I just sat on it. I pitched it to a couple other buddies. They're like, I don't really get it. I was like, okay, it's fine. Uh, met with this listener of the podcast for coffee. His name is Tyler Mead and he's now my co-founder in the business 50-50. He's like our COO, CFO if we had stupid titles because he handles those parts of the business. Um, I'm the dipshit up front <laughs> like doing this stuff. And uh, he's like, I get it. I'm an OKS Hunter. Like I forgot my release. I dropped this on the stand. I whiffed on that. Like I was like, yeah, 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 you get it. You get it. Okay, good. And like F people that are shaming, like that's stupid. Let's do something about it. So uh, we just started posting the social just to see what the response would be. And like, it was a hit out of the gate. We were putting out mean content gifts uh, before you, they had audio. Usually when it was just like pictures and stuff, um, something really special happened when we started doing that, that we didn't anticipate or expect people started. Like, I mean, like not just one or two, like, 50 dms of people sending us pictures of their spike bucks or their does that had like if you go look at their profile which we did those deer didn't exist on the internet but they sent them to us they exist on their phone they send them us to tell us the story about it, it was the last time with their grandpa their first time with their kid or the first out of state hunt and they're like i just want to post it because i don't want to get shit for it um but like i want to share with you guys because you seem to like you seem like you're pretty cool you understand now fast forward three years later like we're not getting DMs anymore. People are just posting it. They're actually doing it. And they're saying thank you to us. Like, or they're shooting deer that they wouldn't have shot because they're like, hey, I always thought I had to shoot 150 or better. Otherwise, I like wasn't a real hunter. But like you guys have shown me that that doesn't matter. And thank you so much. So we've kind of created a bit of some space here for people to breathe easier. I, I'm shocked that people need that permission from a brand like ours. But I'm happy about it that I didn't realize that people wouldn't have shot a deer, wouldn't have shared a photo until we existed so kind of going back to the genesis like that's where it started from and then we continue to pull threads where we see 
like a response or some sort of success or like stuff like that to like, oh, we seem to matter. Like there's a deeper meaning here than some stupid gifts and jokes. Like we we have been referred to as the most relatable brand. And that's like, I don't know if that's true or not. I'm sure those are brands that are relatable, but like we try to put out content that is relatable and that content tends to be around failure more than anything else. And we say, I mean, honestly, we all know failure is our best teacher. You, you fuck up on something you're less likely to make that mistake again. So, haha, it's funny you can laugh later. In the moment, you're probably pissed that you dropped your release or forgot it or whatever you did. But later on, you can usually laugh at it. So we try to do that more often than not. Um, and so, yeah, that's our. We have a mission statement that's uh, you know centered around that core value belief system. Of like, don't pick on people. Be humble. Be relatable. Um, be authentic. And and like reduce ego where where you can. Everyone's got an ego. There's a spectrum. We try to keep ours small. And uh, just be kind to people like we'll never you'll never see us in the comments fighting fire with fire we will always try to transcend to be the to be an exemplar like we always want to be looked at as an example of how you should carry yourself um so yeah that's a little bit of the i don't know the background there i love best and clearly the need was there right because you saw the, the the proof was in the pudding immediately right when people started posting those pictures after DMing you, um, they clearly felt like they needed that permission, man. And I've, I've, dude, I've felt like that before, before posting on social media. It's like not a, it's not a good feeling, right? It's like, and, but who gives a fuck, right? Who cares what, what anybody else is going to think? And actually, Luke is probably the one who taught me that. It's like, dude, <laughs> uh, you know, you're proud of it. Cool. Awesome. Post it, do your thing. Where did you see the most negativity? I, I'm always curious because, like, I have a pretty strong bias against like Facebook. Uh, um, back then it was Facebook, but it's everywhere. Like, and it's a human nature thing. You're not going to get away from it. It exists in every category. It's not just hunting. I just no. think hunting is the only thing that's being taken from us. Like, no one's trying to take away golf. No one's trying to take away surfing. No one's trying to take away other outdoor recreation. Like, hunting has been taken away in other countries. It can be taken away here. By way of voting, we go to the polls, we will fucking lose. We are outnumbered. So we're the neck biting the head off right now. And I think it's silly. Like the battle is out there. We need to make sure we get our house in order and stop fist fighting while the war is coming to us because we'll end it before it even gets here. That's my disposition and opinion. Now, there's other things that we need to be concentrating on as hunters. There's access problems. There's all sorts of other stuff. This is just the one thing we're focused on. And um, it's one that I think is important. And having a more positive community is not a bad thing. I don't care how you want to shake it out. Like, there's nothing wrong with more kindness and goodness in this category. Um, the problem is, like, it's visceral, man. Like, we're a disagreeable a, bu a bunch of folks. Like, we have deep-rooted passion. Like, that's the way my grandpa did it. That's the way that I do it. That's the way it's done. Well, yeah, but so does that other guy. He thinks the same thing, but for a different reason from a different grandpa. That doesn't mean you guys are wrong. Like, we can still get along. We're both hunting. So I mentioned an example earlier on a different podcast. And I like, dude, if I got to talk to, like, a literal caveman, if that was, that's not a possible thing. So another fake scenario. But, like, if if I could, if we could speak English and I could speak caveman or we could come together, the stories that we could share and the conversations we could have would be pretty freaking epic. And they would have nothing to do with saddle versus tree stand, crossbow versus compound, you know, this ammunition versus that ammunition, this, like, camel brand versus like it wouldn't matter we would just be talking about like dude you took down a fucking buffalo with a spear you're insane dude you took down 
you took down a whitetail from a, from like, you know, 30 yards. How is that even possible? Like how cool we would talk about the hunt, not the other stuff. So like, regardless of how you hunt or what you use, like it matters to a degree for yourself, but like the hunt is what matters for us as a collective. That's what's important. So, I mean, I don't know. I clearly have some like deep, uh, heated passion about this topic. Probably why I have a brand. I mean, dude, it resonates, man. Like the reason we launched our community was one we we built it internally. It was like a our version of a pro staff. We called it the team. Um, and the reason we built that was so we had our own place, one to bring the guys together to have that camp environment, have the same dudes, you know, coming together around hunting. But then people wanted to be a part of it, and we we're like, we're not going to do a field staff. We're not going to do an ambassador ambassadorship. We wanted a community and we wanted a place where folks can post their pictures of whatever the hell they kill. And that's what's something that's been the most rewarding. We launched our app back in July and you'll go through there and like there's some guys that are killers and they kill some stud bucks for sure. But you see spikes, you see does, you see kids with, you know, you know, with, you know, white labs, basically the size of the, the deer. And that's that's awesome to me. And because it is, it's so frustrating. And it, it's not just on like the consumer side, man. I think it's even worse the more I've gotten plugged into the industry with dealing with other companies. And I've done, we're, we're partnered with a lot of kick ass companies and we're working with a bunch. And we, but like the, I can't tell you the amount of stuff. It's like, oh, you can't partner with those guys. They suck. Or, you know, they're, they're not ethical. And then you like pull back the curtain. It's like some like ego driven slight that you're like, come on, man. Like, is that really that big of a deal? Like, is, like if we would just, if all the companies would just come together and work together on the same thing, even like as what nonprofits you partner with is political at this point, right? Like there's this one versus this one. And like, you can't do this. You can't partner here. Follow it's the like, money. They say, it's like, what am I a fucking CPA? Like, how are you, what do you mean? Follow the money. Like, they're not publicly traded. I don't know how where their money is going. They may say this or the other thing, but like, unless you're a forensic a tax accountant, like, good luck following the money. Yeah, um, exactly. It's and it's ridiculous. You're, you're totally right, dude. It, and so I, I'm a big believer in like I, I think I've read Robert Greene's book, Laws of Human Nature, twice now. I've read Ego's Enemy nine times. I, right, I read Marcus Aurelius's Meditations at least twice a year. And oh, we're big fans. I just the laws of human nature will tell you that every everyone. Like no one pictures themselves as the bad guy. Like mm -hmm. it'd be pretty rare. I mean, I'm not saying it is impossible, but like by and large, like 99% of the population thinks they're doing something for good, for good reasons, for just reasons, for sound reasons, for like um, you know, they're they're not doing things irrationally. And so if you considered like the the slight against ABC company from XYZ company, XYZ company thinks they're doing good stuff, and so does ABC company. Like, guys, everyone is trying to do something they believe is good. Just because it doesn't, this is like, like, oh my God, this is our religion's the problem. Like, no, the Protestants think this. Well, the Catholics think that. And, the, and it's like, holy shit. Can we all just agree that we believe in God? Can we just, you know, remember what's important here? Can we just remember that we love hunting and that's what's important here? Yeah, I didn't realize I was going to be so philosophical with you guys. I'm sorry. I don't know where, where this is going. Keep me on company. Yeah, I love it, man. I mean, we, I'm not going to pretend like we're, you know ryan holiday or anything but we we definitely delve into stoicism and we talk about a bunch of different topics on this podcast so we don't have the name is a misnomer we actually don't talk about this stuff as much um it's it's, it's bigger stuff and and i think this is an important conversation and it's worth having because the industry like the more i get plugged in the less i want to be tied into it because it's like i'm trying to like create a company provide value to our customers and our members and hopefully one day be able to like, you know, make a good living and put food on the table for my family while chasing my passion. That's literally in that order what I care about. And 
I mean, probably taking care of my family is the top of that. But, you know, <laughs> with with all this other nonsense about antler size or this company you can't partner with or that company. And sure, there are some straight up unethical companies, but that's actually the exception, not the rule. Most of them are just trying to figure it out like the rest of us. And they started with pretty similar stories. And if there's a company that I don't think aligns with our values, I have no ill will or an emotional response to it. It's like, we're just not going to align with them. They can go do their thing and maybe it'll change in the future, you know? Cause like, in like, but like you just, these, God damn, it's ego, man. And it's really what it comes down to. And it's like, if I had started this company when I was in my 20s, I would have been wrapped up in the middle of it because I was the most, one of the most ego-driven. Yeah, you know, same dude. Bro, you know, I was just yeah, chipping my that. shoulder, wanting to fight everybody. Everything was a slight. And it was like, when you, you grow up and you mature, at a certain point, you realize you can't live your life this way. It's like, oh, this was all me. It was in my head. Yeah. And once you let go of that, you see the world kind of clear. And you're like, oh, like everybody's just trying to get by. They're trying to do their own thing. Like the guys talking shit are probably like severely insecure about something going on in their life. And then it, it doesn't become an anger response anymore. It becomes a, dude, I hope you're doing okay, man. Like yeah. if you took the time to put this visceral of a comment on somebody random person that you saw in your feed, like you're probably not where you want to be at in you life. Got some shit. Yeah. You're projecting on me, man. Like that's your, yeah. own. you got a problem. It's your problem. Like it's not mine. I'm, I'm yeah. good over here. At least I'm trying yeah. to be. Yeah, exactly. And I think that mentality just needs to, it has to, like, you're, you're hundred percent, right? Like we're fighting for our survival. Like I'm in Colorado, man. Like they already fucking put wolves to a ballot. They're about to put lions to a ballot. I mean, like, and we're now it's, that I'm, slope. it's a slippery slope, dude. I mean, they're, they're hitting the fringes. I mean, we're already seeing what's happening. It's already happened in California. It's happening in Oregon and, and uh, Washington with banning different you know, trapping is an easy pickings. Predator hunting is easy. Wolf reintroductions, getting them listed. Grizzly bear, they won't let them off the list, even though they're abundant. Like, it's just nobody wants to touch it. And we're just, well, it's not, it's not how I hunt. It doesn't matter. It's there. It's going to be eventually they're going to get there. Right. And everybody only cares about their little niche other than this idea of like having the right to be able to pursue game, to put food on your own table, which I don't, I think goes beyond like the the constitutional right i think it's a human right that i have the ability to provide my own food without somebody handing it to me and telling me it's good um and and that's something that i'm extremely passionate about we're we're losing right now and they're smart and they're playing a long game and we're sitting here worried about who's hunting with a trad bow versus a compound or who's shooting this compound versus that compound or which fucking broadheads work better and it's fucking asinine yep. sorry i'm fired up too see yeah look at us go man two peas in the pod yeah Oh man, but yeah, I'm. That's that's why you know early on I really did. You know, I'm not just blowing smoke. I I really did dig what you guys were doing because I thought, you know, that that is, and I mean probably even like subconsciously I've incorporated some of that. Like all of our uh, memes are always making fun of ourselves for either how we fuck up Dude, or your one body. Humor is a really fun one to do because it's like yeah. I'm not making fun of you. I'm making fun of myself. Yeah, and exactly. now you can't even laugh at me because I'm laughing at myself first. Like <laughs> you're just on the offense, but I have a hard time taking a compliment. So I just I appreciate that. That's really nice of you to say. Thank you. Yeah, and so. hunting is failure, right? At the end of the day, like anybody who's hunted for any amount of time has experienced failure in a myriad of different fashions. Oftentimes on the same damn trip, right? Just time after time after time, just fuck up. At, or at least when you hunt with us, man. And uh, <laughs> it could be either like you call it like killing. Or, or failing but we'd choose to call it hunting because <laughs> it's like it could be one of both like so we're hunting we're not we haven't failed yet we haven't killed yet it's like we're we're playing this middle ground by calling it hunting that's very true i like that 
Yeah, man. No. Ask me how many times Luke has left his tag or his rifle back at camp when I, we've gone out for the day. Twice oh, yeah. on the rifle. Which is not that many, but it's here. Twice, twice yeah, on the tags. Twice, twice on the tags. I forgot my rifle once. That was so funny. I got back to the hotel and I was like, why is this gun case so like shit? <laughs> Dude, that was bad. Woods, and there it is, sitting on the same tree I left it on, like an idiot. Fuck, luckily no one stole it. Dude, I left mine. Luckily, the guy who was driving our rig didn't back up because he would have run over right directly over my Brigara, <laughs> which would have been just brutal. Um, yeah, I mean, it's yeah, dude. I like anybody that says they never made that mistake. Like, I've dropped my release out of my tree multiple times. I've dropped my binos, my rangefinder. And for that left. reason, you, you handle everything in that tree stand like it's nitroglycerin from that point forward, yeah. you know? Oh, dude, I'm so – well, and coming up in the Army, man, I can't tell you the number of pairs of gloves or, like, you know, a beanie or whatever. You just leave it when you're moving. So Carter will tell you I'm so – you know, I checked everything. I checked the area where everybody was sitting. I'll go walk around it twice. Like, I, yeah. But those are the lessons you learn through those failures, and that's the repetition of going after – back to the previous conversation – if you're only trying to do one thing and like you've got this this set on this one deer or you're going to miss out on some of these second and third order lessons that you can learn by getting out and doing different experiences and chasing you know different and i get it people have their passions and their niches and stuff but i, I think being well-rounded like i'm a, the the ultimate generalist i'm mediocre at killing a bunch of different species and really horrible at killing some <laughs> like you'd, you'd be a better candidate for like you know naked survival then or something like you could probably, like i only know how to kill one thing it's a deer I, i've not hunted a lot of other stuff like i'd probably die in the wilderness then because i don't know how to stalk anything else i'd only be good on that because i'd have a couple weeks of my beer gut to <laughs> be sustained oh man <clears throat> As far as like your, your platform, Eric, do you, I feel like I get the vibe. Okay. Hunter is like a, a good spot for novices or people new to the sport of hunting. Is that kind of your seems, experience? Yeah. It seems like we've attracted a lot of that. And for good reason, it makes a lot of sense. Like we're pretty yeah. approachable, um, yeah. but we don't have like, I don't have like a funnel of like, if you're new, follow this. If you're mid, follow that. If you're, you know, a killer, do this. Like we don't have like a program. It just kind of like come as you are and, I think naturally we filter out. It was actually interesting because we went from where to hunt to OKS. It, it felt really, really weird out of the gate to like stop talking about how to kill big bucks. Not to say that we wouldn't talk about that, but like we were changing our narrative. It's almost like when you go from not being a dad to being a dad, like your identity changes. We were trying to change our identity. And so I didn't want to like alienate people that had followed us to learn tactics. Um, we still will talk about that stuff and it's not like taboo because like I'm on, I want to kill big bucks like that's not a people know that it's not like some weird taboo thing but it was challenging to start to like change a narrative so I think we we probably do filter out of or like certain people that like are ambitious and have big goals they're probably going to listen to like the hunting beast or east meets west mountain buck monday or they're going to probably listen to things where they're really going to like try to scratch an itch of like learning some specific tactics that apply to their you know whatever they're trying to do we'll have some of those episodes but by and large like we're a generalist podcast um we'll talk about all sorts of stuff and i i like that because it keeps us fluid like i don't have to get pigeonholed into something or painted into a corner we can kind of do what we need to do and the fact that our call our show is a call-in show the reason we do it live is be, is so we can take calls. So 
we get comments coming in. Anyone can do that. We're still today, as far as I'm aware, the only podcast that takes calls. Like, well, it's not just my cell phone. We have a phone number dedicated to our podcast, 262-757-4122. That is a call queue, much like a radio station. Calls will park themselves in there and we'll bring those callers in, assuming they're not pranksters, which happens. Um, some of them are funny. Some of them are like not okay. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> one dude said he gave Ted Nugent a reach around. Like I was like, great context, buddy. You did a good job on that one, but I got to let you go. Um, we have a continuous prankster that calls in from like somewhere down in Florida in the Everglades. I think he's missing teeth. I don't know, but having a two-way, I kind of love that actually. <laughs> having a two-way dialogue with our audience, like most podcasts, just talk at people which is just how it is like you consume because like but inviting our listeners in gives them a sense of loyalty that i don't think they'll get with any other podcast of course you can guest on a show but like anybody can guest on a show you just got to fucking call the number and you boom you're a guest you're there and people are like oh my god i was on this podcast um and i don't know that that's a badge of honor coming from where i sit <laughs> knowing what the podcast is but i think the new hunter thing like we just happen to have more of those folks probably in our ranks that are the generalists or newcomers to the, to the category or to the, to the sport or to the life or whatever. Um, just inherently because of we're not, we're not like specialized on like the hunting gear podcast or the hunting tactic podcast or this, like we'll do it all. But that being said, we are actively building on a podcast network and, and that kind of scratches that itch. So if you want to go deeper into something, like we probably have something for your ears that you might like. Like we launched the OKS Trapper, um, which is Zach Hansen. He lives in, uh, God, what was it? Idaho? Idaho? Uh, no, not Idaho. Um, yeah, is it Idaho? Oh my God, I'm having a problem. I'm geographically challenged. Um, it's over by like Montana and all that stuff. Is that Idaho over there? Yeah, yeah that's Idaho. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're on it, dude. He lives at the bottom of the Sawtooth Mountain. So, like, in the middle of literally nowhere, runs a trap line every day. Like, but he lived in Virginia and was an AI guy for like, he did some work with IBM and shit. And so, he like did the thing that all of us would love to do. He said, F the white picket fence and I'm going to go become a trapper. It's crazy. So, like, but his first trapping experience ever, he got his hand caught in a wolf trap and he, it got pretty like derelict really quick. Like, it got to be a, pretty uh, tumultuous situation we have um elizabeth brownell who hosts the onset podcast that one's aimed heavily at the onset hunter given the name but onset means more of like starting an adventure and she's a female hunter there's a lot of those coming into the category we have the okay fisher podcast um the up duck which is upland pheasant we got we're bringing on the western territory podcast like we're trying to create this entity that brings our tone of voice and our ethos and our message into the other categories of the outdoors um, because it's not just hunting has this problem. It's all sorts of things. Like it's just a, it's just a thing. We want to bring humility and authenticity and reduce ego and, and bring that into these other like things that we're doing. So if you want to learn more about something else, you can, um, I don't think we'll have like a how to kill big bucks podcast though. I just don't, I just think it feeds too much ego. Hmm. We could yeah. use that podcast. How to kill big bucks. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> make a step-by-step -step checklist that i can hold with me in the stand <laughs> we did an april fool's post last year i'm probably gonna see the same april fool's post. i don't have any more good ideas we did a i did i had mid journey do like a cover art for like i said hey mid journey make make a whitetail rack that's made out of marijuana <laughs> and we said hey on 4-1 we launched we're launching on 420 a weed and whitetails podcast people lost their shit i was so shocked that 
the majority of our audience is like, you know, they're conservative in nature politically. And typically conservatives are like anti-marijuana. They were stoked. Dude, the appetite for it was like out of control. People thought it was real. And they're like, so when's this launching? I was like, well, well it's not. It was a joke. It's April 1st. We said 420. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. And like people are like, no, no, no. You understand. I've been a, a cannabis connoisseur for years. Like I need this podcast. Like I'm like, what is happening? Uh, so I might do it again and be like, no joke. We'll do it if someone wants to host it. Because now we have a network. Like last year, we didn't have a network yet. So it was like, you know, a total farce. And Mid Journey got a lot better at making graphic art. So the cover art is <laughs> way cooler. <laughs> That's hilarious, actually. We've got some guys that would host that. <laughs> it's a really boring show. You just be like, what were we talking about? You know, like you just wouldn't be able to finish a thought. <laughs> That's fucking funny, though. That's, yeah. It doesn't surprise me that there would be a demand for that, to be honest, especially I with shocked. how. I was shocked. I thought I was going to be like not well received. I was nervous posting and then just blew. It was like one of the better posts we had of all of last year. It was crazy. It was crazy. How'd you decide right. to start growing the network? And, and go that kind of route and bringing people into the fold with voices that you appreciate. Is that kind of the route you went? Yeah. So it's, I, I guess um, network's a good term because that's technically what it is, but I would call it a family of podcasts more than anything now, knowing the folks that we're working with, but it was Greg Tubbs is the co-host. Um, Greg and I did a podcast called Huntland and H N T L N D. It was meant to be, I, I listened to this podcast called grammar girl a long time ago. And uh, cause I suck at writing and math. I suck a lot of things. And Grammar Girl was this podcast that was like, dude, some of the episodes were like for three minutes or five minutes. I think a longer episode might have been 15, but that would be pushing it. Like, usually it was like five to eight minutes long. And it was like, your versus your, or, you know, um, effect there, there, there. Effect. and right, like, th that was it. And she would just talk about that. You get your answer and boom, you go on. So you might, you might crush like six podcasts and have consumed only an hour of listening time. I was like, dude, we should do this for hunting. And like, there's so many hunting podcasts that just talk about the banter. And then like, they don't get into the meat of it until the mid midway through. But like, what if we just did just the meat? We don't do intros. We don't do BS. We don't do banter. We just talk about the thing. And we talk about the thing deeply for 10 minutes. So we did that. It was a huge hit. It was a rocket ship. And then we caught the attention of someone that was pretty upset that we were doing it because they thought we were stealing from their like knowledge base. And we had someone that had worked on their team unknowingly they had signed a non-compete and we did not know that mm -hmm. so that person's like take it down or i'm suing him like we'll sue us we don't we don't need fucking money like this is the business it's a fucking podcast but like i don't have the energy to deal with this drama i'm having my second kid like i don't i don't really care like it's fine like so the third dude dropped out and i was like well now that he's gone like this is kind of stupid like it was his idea for the most part, like we just helped shape it and like craft it. So I told Greg, I'm like, well, if you want to do the where to hunt podcast with me, I'm going to continue to do that every damn week. Like, why don't you just jump on there? If you still want to do this podcast thing, he's like, all right. So he started doing it. Um, he's been our co-host. My, he's my original co-host for shit. I think he came on in like 2019. Um, and then we transitioned. Okay. As Hunter somewhere along the way last year, he's like, man, I really love fishing. I really love fishing. I really love, oh, yeah, yeah. I know you love fishing can I do a fishing podcast? I was like, do you really want to do another? Do you understand how much work that is? Like, I know you understand because you've been here. You get it. What are you really asking for? I was like, no, dude, I don't think you want to do that. And then uh, he recruited Matt. Um, uh, God, what's Matt? Matt Strime, who owns a uh, company called Weathered Oaks Game Calls. And then Matt's a big musky guy. Like, he's a huge musky guy. Um, and then, so then they're both dogging at me like, dude, can we do a fishing podcast? I was like, what the fuck? 
I was like, fine, fine. Do a fishing podcast. We'll have two. We'll have two. You guys can do that one. Greg, you still have to do your duties on, on OKist, all right? So you can, if you want to do both, like be my fucking guest. Um, and that's how it started. I was like not for it. Um, yeah. Dude, the parallels I'm, right now between OKist yeah. and HLE are hilarious. Like, because yeah. that's how we're about to have five podcasts here in a minute. Well, so then, so then we've not recruited anybody. Like we've, I've not gone and knocked on anyone's door to like jo- join our network. None of that. Everyone has approached us. So then the next one was Upduck, which is Tyler, our co-founder. He's like, man, well, I really would like to do a dog hunting one again. Like I used to do one. Well, I might as well do one now. I got a couple guys that want to do it. So that one came on. Then Elizabeth Brownell out of Virginia, out of fucking nowhere, perceivably, was like, hey, I've been following you. I've been watching you. I see you got a network now. Like I've never podcasted. Could you like mentor me and like, could I join? I was like, whoa, I don't know. I don't know how to bring someone on that's like not part of our four walls. Like, how do I deal with that? And I was like, okay, I guess we have to make a contract. And so I we were on the Waypoint Network. I see what Dan Johnson does with Sports with Empire. I commend him. He's it's his whole his full-time business. Sport uh Waypoint does a good job. I see what Meat Eater does. I'm trying to take like parts of all of them and do our own thing. Um, whether it's right or wrong, I'm not really sure yet. We'll find out. I'm sure I'll make a lot of mistakes, but um now we're at going to be 10 by the end of this quarter. So, uh, again, I've still not recruited anybody and people keep coming to us and we vet them. Like I've had some other folks come to us. I'm like, no, you're not it. You don't get it or whatever. And I have to let, let them down or whatever, which is awkward. Cause then I don't want them to think like I'm some big dick or something, but it's like, I, now we have a vision. I know what we're trying to do. So like, you got to hit a certain threshold. You got to be able to speak how we speak to some degree but at the end of the day it's these people's shows it's not my show like it needs to reflect them and their personality so they can be comfortable and confident in their skin and go to market how the fuck they want to go to market because like i'm not gonna micromanage shit i'm not interested in that so i just think as long as they can do what they want to do and it matches to some degree um great and so far so good so year one is in the is in the books we we are like officially rolling with it so that's way That's, cool. Congrats, man. That's cool growth. Feels cool weird. Vision. Yeah. Feels weird. I get that a hundred percent. I just said that out loud the other day. I was I was at a trade show and I was talking about what we're doing. I was like, Yeah, we're about to have well five podcasts come June. And I was like, We don't want to start one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I threw up a Facebook post that or an Instagram post and was like a story and was like, Hey, if you guys want to hunt lifty podcast because we had people who kept asking if we had one and i was like i don't know and uh i was like yeah and i told carter i was like if what i say if like 30 or 50 people say if yes we'll 20 do it people. 20 people whatever it was and we had like 100 hit yes and i was like guess we're doing a podcast three weeks, three weeks later we launched one and then same deal one of our guys is a huge bass fisherman and was pestering me for a long time and he's carter when carter's you know buddies from college and just pestering Carter all the time reaching out to me and I was like dude I don't want to do a fishing podcast and then I was like all right fuck it so now we got fish lift to eat and then we have you know a women's one and then you just a bunch of different ones that are are lining out and you're like all right so I guess we're that was it was you know when we were talking before you you hit launch like yeah we're kind of a media company now I had that same revelation in July of this past year I was like oh we own an app we produce content we're not a t-shirt company. We're not a membership company. We're a media company. But having that revelation actually helps you shape that vision to know like, okay, yeah. now I know what the next, you it know, took a minute to get three, to that. five, 10 years. Yeah. We didn't know what we want to be when we grew up up until like probably six, 
nine months ago we're like well, what are we going to do we can continue to optimize supply chain are we going to go to retail like what are we what are we doing we obviously we have something but like somebody needs to take the fucking wheel this thing's going to drive off a cliff like what is it that this thing is and what are we good at like regardless of what it is we need to make sure that like it's a vehicle we can actually drive if it's a fucking jet like it ain't me like i'm not flying that but if it's like a school bus, I can probably handle that. Like I might take out some fire hydrants on a like I won't turn wide enough, but like we'll figure it out and we'll bring some people along with us. So like having that revelation, I'm a marketing guy by trade in the digital realm. I I've hung out with the likes of Gary Vaynerchuk. Like I had some great business mentors along the way. It's my career. I'm like, let's go. Let's just do that. Cause I understand it. I know the mechanics. I know the levers. I understand how to navigate it. I think we have the trappings of that. Let's see if we can build that thing. And the merch stuff, it just makes us unique. It further perpetuates the fact that we are a relevant uh, media property. Much like, I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not fucking delusional. Like we're not media, we're not field and stream, but we're not that different. We're just not big enough because we just started. So like if, if like, let's just say it's a big hunting, big hunting company, one, two, three. And they're like, wow, I see people wearing these OKS Hunter hats everywhere. Like, we should work with them. Like, that just validates our presence as a media property and then vice versa. So, like, it, they, one thing helps the other to some degree. So, it's really interesting. I don't, I always say I don't know what I'm doing because, like, this keeps going past my, what I've ever done before. So, every step along the way, I literally don't know what I'm doing. Like, well, you know what you're doing, Eric, because you've gotten this far. I'm like, yeah, but you understand. Every time I get this far, I'm at a new fucking destination. I now don't know what I'm doing again. So I keep, I'm like, what tools do I have with me that I know how to operate? So no matter where I go, I can figure it out. And that's the the media side of it. Like I understand the media side. So we'll see if I can actually build it. I don't know. A lot of parallels, brother. That's uh, <laughs> it's really funny that you. That was actually one of the reasons why I was when we chatted at shot. I was excited to, to chat on the podcast because, like, man, I feel like. It's right there in the exact same thing. Like I start to feel like I'm, I got a handle and then we just grow to a point where I'm like, I have no idea what we're doing now. I've been here before. I don't know. Yep, <laughs> like, yep. People look you know, at you like, hey, what do we do? I'm like, well, I don't fucking know. Like, we had a imposter syndrome. Like that's a whole other fucking topic. So, <laughs> Dude. Was just talking. I'm going on a, a decent sized podcast at some point here in the future and literally got on the call with carter and was like yep so this lined up i'm dri driving up there in person and i was like uh big imposter syndrome right now a little bit a uh, little bit nervous so uh it'll be good though i mean it's it is though and i think that that's important and especially in this space if you're not putting yourself in those positions if you're comfortable then you're probably dying as a company right like you've got to be pushing the boundaries of what you're you think you're capable of and i think because I, I'm really aggressive by nature. Um, it's Carter aggressive will tell is you. good. Aggressive doesn't have to have a negative connotation. Exactly. Good. And, but it can't, it can, right. It's a yin and a yang. And like, I've had to really learn that. And it's been the lesson that I've really learned the most over the last nine months is like, I don't have an emotional attachment to money. So like, it's like, Oh, if we got to spend it, we got to spend it. But then that mentality can obviously get you in some trouble. And so like, as you, especially as you look at inventory and, and that's what really appeals to me on the membership and the media side is like, okay, we don't have to tie everything because it's, I mean, I'm sure you guys have experienced it. It's a snake eating its tail. The bigger you get, the more you spend. And then you start your team. Like Tyler's like, uh, Hey, we got to be mindful of like how much we're giving away. I was like, what, what are you talking about? Like it's a long play. <laughs> like, well, we can't have a long play if we don't have fucking money. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But all right, shit. I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I'm glad I have him to balance me out. 
Yeah, I'm bringing on a new guy to be. He's going to be my no man. Like, I realized I need that guy. Every time I'm like, oh, we're going to do this. He's like, nope. <laughs> That's what <laughs> yeah. I need. I need I need somebody to say no all the time. And then if it's then I'll know if it's worth fighting and override him, I can. But most of the time, I'll be like, yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> we're optimists in, by nature, and we think everything will work. We think we're going to win every fight, come out unscathed. And, like, you forget that if you're under a boxing ring, you're probably going to get punched in the face a couple times. You might win, but you're still going to get hit. Like, yeah. People Every day that, is you know? a fight, and when you're trying to build something like this, and when you have those long-term visions too, like it, it's easy to build. Like it would be easy to, for me to build a company where I could just replace my salary at this point, right? Because I've grown it to a point that. But like, you can't do that if you're trying to grow. You know, ten years down the road, quicker, and you're reinvesting the money quickly in the capital, and you're doing all this stuff, and so you're going to be in that fight every single day, and you're going to get beat up. Yeah, I want my cake, and I want to eat it too. Um, like I'm unwilling with the three kids and a house and a wife and a family all that shit to if i was in my 20s and i was this if i had this kind of wherewithal and vision and i was like motivated to do functional things in life rather than drink myself into a stupor i would be happy to make nothing and sleep on a couch that's not a reality for me anymore so i have to have my cake and eat too this thing needs to get far enough along that the boat can go to the dock and i can step into it i cannot jump in and swim because my family will drown because it's not just me so it's hard. However, I am fortunate enough that I've built such a life that I now work in the outdoor industry doing what I literally love to do, working with some of the fucking coolest brands that exist. And so it's a big freaking melting pot for me now. I hated, I, actually, I shouldn't say I hated my job before. I hated the category. I was doing stuff in IT and I just, the, the gap kept widening. Like I kept loving more of what I was doing in the hunting stuff on my side hustle. And then the stuff in my day, it was such a big gear shift that like eventually the gear shift didn't exist. I was having to like get into a different car and like drive a different direction. So I felt like I was pulling apart and it felt like ethically, I, I felt bad for the business I was working for. I'm like, I'm doing you guys a disservice because I don't give a shit about this. And that's not good. You should hire someone that cares about this. It's not me. And so when I started working for my day job, I'm like, I love this. I can do this forever. So now I'm not desperate to leave my employer. I can... I can stay there for 10 years and I'll be happy. It's fine. Meanwhile, it's accelerating what I'm doing in my side stuff because I'm connected in a way that I wouldn't have otherwise been connected. And I get to see behind the wizard's curtain. I now know how things function. And before I thought I did, I, was, I didn't. I didn't. I was like playing a game the wrong way. Um, so it's, it's it. We'll see if I make it. Like, I don't know that it will. Um, and that's the business side. Like it's becoming a real business. We have an attorney, we have a CPA, we're buying plane tickets for people. We're, we're doing real shit. And sadly, literally everybody else is getting paid. I've still made $0. So like if people get romantic about entrepreneurship, like take a fucking second, people get, okay, it's Hunter. They think it's a, vol a large thing. We have a like decent social following. I don't know how big people think we are. I'm not really sure. I think, I think like people think we're a joke. Um, oh, look at Eric. Ha ha. Okay. It's Hunter. Ha ha. Funny memes. Ha ha. But like, clearly we're striking a chord. Something's happening. But I also have people that are demanding like, oh, well, you should pay me this or you should pay me that. Like, well, we're not a big company. What do you think we are? And I haven't taken a penny from this business, even though Uncle Sam says I should. I still won't, which is like maybe a problem. <laughs> like, I'm hopeful that someday I can, even if it paid me five grand. 
that would be a bonus. Like I could pay down some debt and like realize my goal faster, but we're just not there. My wife's like, you're working a second full-time job doing this thing. She just texted me right now. Your son wants to see you before he goes to bed. Like I'm missing out on that. This particular moment, you want to talk about sacrifice. Like it takes sacrifice to do this shit. And the people that pay the price are your family by and large. So like, and, and I'm not getting paid. Like it'd be different if I was like working a second part-time job to make ends meet, but I'm, I'm like jettisoning the ability, jettisoning the ability to make money on the side to do this thing. And it's a long play. So like, I'm not complaining because I think I'm built for this shit. <laughs> At least that's what I tell myself. Um, but boy, there are days where you're like, wow, is this actually going to work out? Like, what? how is this going to go? Like, how do you, and you just don't know. You, you hope that all the narrative of like, work hard, hustle, keep showing up, consistency over time, it'll happen. I hope I'm one of those people someday that get to say all that shit. Same, brother. Yeah, it's uh, all that definitely. It it hits home. I mean, it's between the army for the last eleven years, and then this. I'm leaving, right? I'm on terminal leave now, and I should be like spending all this time with my family. And it's like on the road, going to shows, doing this stuff, like continuously doing this, and that sacrifice, like people think it's fucking easy and they think that you're just rolling in money. And it's like, sure, we've made more money month over month than we've ever made, but I'm still spending it faster than I can make it, you know, and I'm still taking out more debt, more loans. Like you're still, you, you, people don't know that side of the house. And like, I'm sure if I could redo everything, I wouldn't get into anything that needed inventory to start. And that's the advice I give guys. How do I, how do, how do I even answer that question? We built a supply chain. Like I don't even know where to be how i started i started fucking sewing them you know like and that's yeah. and I, I was sewing patches on hats yeah yeah and when you build all that and you build it yeah it's not and you can tell somebody how to do it i still don't think i, I think i had to learn the lessons i learned in the way that i did to a to certain extent i try to learn from people who have been there before the best i can to try to you know avoid as many mistakes as possible but some of it you just got to get into the trenches and do it and it's not there's moments where you're riding a good high, but it's, you know, after a while, after you've been in the game for a minute, that it's going to be quickly followed by a kick in the balls. Like I'm just there's waiting another, now yeah. for something, there's some catastrophe yeah, from, a, you know, dude, the day before we left for ATA, uh, my trailer was part the trailer. The guys were coming down the next morning to pick it up. to drive to St. Louis. I had to drive. I was already in Louisiana where I was stationed. My family's in Colorado Springs. I get a call from my wife at midnight and I'm like, Oh, the kids are in the ER or something. And she's like, somebody just plowed into the trailer at midnight, oh, just smacked it. Thank God it still rolled. Missing a fender, didn't yeah, it to hell. Why would this happen to me? What's happening? Oh, dude. And on the video from our like security cameras, it looked like she went into it. All the inventory, everything was tight. Everything was oh. in there. All of our grid wall, everything for the booth display, you know, the day before we're leaving for St. Louis. And you're just That's like, you. you know, like, yeah. We got lucky. I mean, it could have been a lot worse and we'll probably make a little bit of insurance on it. But like, it's still like that kind of stuff. It, it, you know, it's coming and then you start to anticipate it. So that, that becomes a whole second level of anxiety because you're just like, things are too good right now. Some shit's going to fucking happen. Dude, and to work this hard for this long and still like we lost money last year. Like we were not profitable, which great. Uh, yeah, we're tax return. Like to report a loss of income, at least I'm not going to pay into tax like I had it last year. Um, but like, just because we earned a profit, government doesn't mean i fucking made anything thanks a lot uncle sam so like just in general to work this hard and not like we're not a big company you know what's funny in the big companies in my eyes will tell me 
professionally in the real world where I work, we're just a mid or a small company. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me right now? You want to talk about how small you are? You make hundreds of millions of dollars a year. Do you know what I made? Not that much, not even close. <laughs> like, not nope. even a fraction of one of those millions of dollars that you make. And you're going to refer to yourself as a small business. Like, you got to be kidding me. You know how hard I work to like try to make it into something? It's insane. It's insane. So, like, I don't know. I, I guess I'm pontificating like a little bit of like a frustration that I get from some people that don't understand. And and by the way, then I also then will do the Gary Vee shit of like, I'm going to help every single person, which is probably a terrible use of my time. But I believe that that's the way, like, because others have helped me. So why wouldn't I help others? Yep. And so even though someone asked me, how do you make a hat? I'll still fucking tell them. <laughs> but I'm like, yep. but then you got to go figure it out. The reason this works for us to, to to a certain degree of unsuccess because we lost money, by the way, is because you don't have to know OKS Hunter to go rock an antler hat. Like you might be like, oh, I get it. That's a small animal. I'm gonna buy that for my buddy at Deer Camp that shoots spikes. Like you don't. A lot of brands that start are something something outdoors, and then they want to put their logo on a hat, and then they try to sell it and it doesn't go because like it doesn't speak to anybody. They have to know who you are to buy into it. And if yep. you're working as bow hunter and people are bought in like they're disciples. Like that works. You could probably not also not know who working class is and buy the hat, but less likely than us, for an example. But I don't think we have the cult following that those guys have. Like people are buying our shit at trade show, like in droves. I think we do fine at trade show, but not like them. Um, and then, then it's hard to balance the inventory and the, all this. Like it's capital. You have to buy capital to have the stuff on hand because people want to buy it right now and there. They don't want to buy it on your website and have it shipped because I'm here today. Like let me get it right now. And it's like then you have to stock, stock all the sizes, all the colors. It's it's insane. Um, and so unless you have like, unless you've achieved financial success already and you have like liquid cash just laying around in capital and you want to go putts around, like go for it. Um, but then you got to work a different angle. So I love what we're doing. I wouldn't still be doing it if I didn't. It's three years now. And the podcast has been running for almost 10 years. When you consider the, the where to hunt trail that like uh, led up to it, the conversion of going into OKS Hunter. It's fun. It's fun for me. I love whitetail hunting. I love hunting. I love the. I love our category of people that we speak to, and I love business. It's like it's a it's a great marriage for me. I think I'll always be doing this in some capacity, and I'd be happy to hit. This going back to Stoic philosophy, like the best way to get wealthy is to just want less shit. And so I got rid of my truck last year. Like I'm making moves to like bring debt down, because I don't need a corporate american salary to fund a lifestyle that i want to live i i just need enough to like live a certain life that i want to live and when you take ego out of the equation you realize how little shit you actually need to be happy and so i'm working on optimizing those things right now so that, that this can be my happy place so this doesn't need to be a million dollar business it might only need to be a two hundred thousand dollar business for all i care i'm happy doing it um and that's probably important too i think bo martonic did a good job of like exiting corporate America or doing his career and Kurt Geyer with working class or like uh, next step outdoors just did a YouTube video, how he quit his corporate job, make hundred K. What people don't realize is those guys optimize their life on the back end to reduce expenses. So they didn't have to make a hundred grand. Yeah. You, so whatever, it's all interesting stuff. Far more on the business side than I thought we'd get on a public podcast. But uh, no, we talk about, like I said, we talk about all of it. I've got to run Carter. I'm going to turn it over to you. Caroline just ran. I think one of the kids is having a, problem but uh eric it was great to talk to you brother like i said all this resonates with me and we'll, we'll touch base soon man love to chat again yeah rock on bud thank you eric i can hear my little one screaming in the in the background and i want you to go hug your boy so 
Yeah, I appreciate it, man. <laughs> we'll call it. I'll send you this recording um, so you can doctor it up and stuff. So uh, I think I have your email. I, who was the other? Was it? Cole. Uh, yeah. Cole. Okay, I can send over to Cole. You're the man. Well, appreciate it, dude. Appreciate your time and uh, appreciate your vision. Yeah, likewise, bud. Thank you. All right, man. We'll talk to you. Bye.